Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. You know it's a special day when I wear a coat and a tie in the contemporary service, so it must be Mother's Day. Hey, we want to recognize a special group of people that are here today. So if you are here and you're with your mother, will you raise your hand? All right, those are the good children, okay, that you see out there right now. Thank you all. Wow. All right, we can go on now. Uh, no, just, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, there are two groups of uh, people that we want to uh, certainly remember today. And the first is, uh, if you are here today and you've lost your mom, that's a, a group of people that uh, often have very mixed emotions uh, on a day like this. And uh, so we just wanted to recognize you today. And uh, if you're here and your mom is no longer with us, we want to recognize you and have a special prayer uh, with you and for you. So if uh, you would just stand at this time, and uh, we're going to have a special prayer uh, for you all. You look around the room, you see so many people that are standing. Uh, I'm one of them. And let's have a, have a special prayer for everyone standing. Dear Lord, we thank you for the mothers that are represented by the people that are standing here. Uh, a lot of them would give anything just to be able to hug their moms and to be with them one more time. And uh, we just thank you for not just the memories, but the life that we have, the things that we've learned, the people that we are because of them. And so we just remember with fondness and with love, and we thank you uh, for giving us the mothers that we had. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all. Well, second, we want to recognize another group of people that are here, and that is all of our current moms that are here. So if you're a mom, would you stand and uh, remain standing for just a second, please? So this is a great group of people. We want to thank you all so much, and uh, I use the same scripture every year because to me it just it says it all. It's from the Ten Commandments where it says, Honor your father and your mother, and it is the only one of the Ten Commandments that actually comes with a promise at the end of it. It says, Honor your father and mother that it go well with you in the land where you are living. It's the only one that says, hey, if you do this, it's going to go well with you. So the family is the, is the basic uh, uh, bedrock foundation of what all of society was made by God. So thank you to all of our moms. We have a special prayer for you all at this time. Dear Lord, for all the moms that are standing here right now, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you for what they mean in the family, uh, the long hours, the headaches, the, the love that they poured out uh, in every different stage of life. We have moms here with newborns. Mom's here with adult children, and uh, for every stage, dear Lord, we just pray wisdom, we pray encouragement, uh, we just pray blessing upon them, and more than anything, we just pray that as a church, we recognize just how important and valuable they are, and we thank you for the moms that are standing here today, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So thank you, moms, we appreciate that. Hey, uh, and as we think about Mother's Day, we're starting a new uh, sermon series called The Family Circus, where the family is really like a circus, and uh, uh, we're going to be talking about all the problems and troubles and uh, everything that goes on in our families, all of the challenges that we have over the next six weeks uh, or so. 
And uh, so uh, you'll be looking forward to that, I'm sure. And uh, we're going to start over in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to look at that whole chapter if you want to turn to that and keep that with you uh, as we go through it. But families uh, can be a little bit different. Anybody here agree that maybe your family is a little bit different? Yeah. Every family is just a little bit different. And uh, if you think the other family isn't, you just don't know them very well. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when Dawn met the majority of my family the first time, it was at a wedding, and uh, I would say things to her like, okay, you know, th this one's a little shady, this one's this. And then one of my cousins come walking up, and I looked at Dawn, and I said, okay, this one's crazy. And uh, she said, oh, okay. And I said, no, no, I don't, he, he's, he's really crazy, you know. And then he walked up, and of course, he didn't disappoint, he was, and, and all of that. And so she got to know my family a little bit. And then the first time I met Dawn's family, they thought I was a NASCAR driver or something, because uh, uh, we go there, uh, Dawn and I had gotten engaged. She was from Florida. We met in school here in Kentucky. I'd gone to Florida to meet all of her family. They had a big party with all of her friends and family coming over. I'd never met any of them. So they sent me and Dawn's little brother to pick up her, her grandmother. And we go and pick her up, very nice. Uh, uh, we're driving back. We're still in, in Grandma's neighborhood when I get pulled over for speeding. I was doing 35 and a 25, okay? And, and we get pulled over for speeding. And Dawn's grandmother says uh, to Dawn's brother Richard, why were we pulled over? And he goes, well, Chip was speeding. And I go, I'm doing 35 and a 25, okay? And uh, then, you know, the, the police officer leaves. We drive on to the party. We walk in. Everybody turns around to see this handsome, dashing young man from Kentucky that Dawn has brought uh, back with him. And uh, we walk in, and Dawn's grandmother said, Sorry we're late, but he got a speeding ticket. And then everybody looks at me. And I go, it was 35 and a 25. Come on. But immediately they're all thinking, okay, this guy is some wild driver or something. But we all have different impressions when we start seeing each other's family. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is really the hallmark of the entire Old Testament. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a passage we're going to look at in here that when Jesus was asked what's the most important thing in the entire Bible, this is what he quoted. So we're going to be over in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the first thing we see is this. To have the best family possible, you need to realize that God is the one that's in charge. To have the best family possible, you need to realize that God is the one that is in charge. Now, if you've ever been to a circus, all these different acts, all these different things going on, and if it's like a three-ring circus, the old three-ring circus, there's different things going on everywhere, and somebody's got to keep all of this chaos in order. And the person that keeps all the chaos in order is the ringmaster. And the most famous ringmaster of all time, who was it? Anybody know? P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum was the most famous ringmaster of all time. There's P.T. Barnum right there with Tom Thumb. And uh, P.T. Barnum, I looked at it and I said, he really is the spitting image of Hugh Jackman. The two look exactly uh, alike. No wonder they cast him uh, in those roles or something. But P.T. Barnum, who coined that phrase, you know, uh, uh, there's a sucker born every minute. Uh, you know, that's how he ran his circus there and everything. He was the consummate ringmaster. So when it comes to your family... Who is the ringmaster of your family? Now, there may be a lot of different answers. Some people would say, well, the ringmaster of our family is dad. Or at least dad thinks that. And dad thinks, I'm large, I'm in charge, I say what's going on, I'm the dad. 
you're only fooling yourself, Dad, okay? You know, nobody, nobody thinks that but you. And so then people say, well, if Dad's not the one in charge, who's in charge? And we go, well, okay, then Mom's the one that's really in charge. She may let Dad think he's in charge, but Mom's really in charge. And you know the old saying, if Mama's not happy, nobody's happy. You know, Mom's the one that's really in charge. But really, it's not mom or dad that's in charge. In most families, guess who's in charge? The kids are in charge. They are definitely in charge. The kids are stronger-willed. They're more determined. They're never going to get up, give up, because they know if they don't quit, they're going to get their way. And after you give in a few times, they think, they are weak, and I will conquer them. And they do it over and over again in your life. You know, sometimes it's through tantrums. You'll be in the line in Target, and they will throw themselves to the ground and go, I want a toy! And everybody's staring at you, and you're going, you know, it's the worst parenting move I can make to buy them a toy, but if they will shut up, I'll buy them three of them. You know, that, that's just the way it is. Sometimes they go the sweet route trying to get you. That's what Andrew would do. Andrew, our son, would do something wrong, and Dorm would go, Andrew! And he'd turn around. I love you so much, Mommy. And he would go that sweet route right there. That was there. But the kids are the ones that seem to be in charge. But the truth of the matter is, for our families to be successful, the ringmaster needs to be God. Let's look at the first three verses of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, Now these are the commands, the decrees, the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, and you will enjoy a long life. Hear, Israel. Be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in a land that flows with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your ancestors has promised you. So to boil verses 1 through 3 down, basically what Moses is saying this, if you want to have a prosperous and happy nation, if you want to have a prosperous and successful and blessed family, it starts with following God and God's laws and God's decrees. God needs to be the center of everything. And if God becomes the ringmaster of your family, he says at the end of verse 2, you will enjoy a long life. In uh, verse 3, he says, it will go well with you. You will increase greatly. You'll live in a land of milk and honey. So if God is the ringmaster, it sets the tone and the foundation for everything else in the family. God needs to be the one that's in charge of our crazy family circus. So with that in mind, we're going to go through the rest of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look at five principles for creating a stronger family. We're going to go fairly quickly, but we're going to look at five principles for creating a stronger family. So let's jump right into it, because you all want to go to lunch with Mama right now, okay? So we're going to get this done. The first thing we see is this. We need to teach our children that faith is about a relationship with God and not following the rules. It's about a relationship with God and not following the rules. It's really interesting, verses 4 and 5, because how do you think Moses is now going to take off? He says, look, follow the Lord, follow his laws, follow his commands, then it will go well with you and your family. So then what's the very next thing he says? Because this is it. Okay, I'm telling you to follow it, now I'm going to tell you what you need to follow. And look at what he says in verses 4 and 5. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That's the great Shema. Uh, it's what Jesus quoted when he was asked, what's the most important thing in the entire Bible? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. This Shema was so important to ancient Israel uh, that in the second oldest copy that we found of the New Testament, the Nash Papyrus, it contains the Shema. It contains that right there. Second oldest thing ever found of the Bible contains love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's how important this was to ancient Israel. And what it's saying is the number one thing you and your children need to understand is that life is about an intimate love relationship with God. Now, the problem we have is we generally boil God down to good morals and living the right kind of life. And if you have good morals, everything will be fine. Our church went through something called sticky faith, and we're still involved in that. And sticky faith said, you know, over 70% of our children, they actually leave the church after they graduate from high school. What causes faith to stick? And one of the number one things they found is if faith was based on relationship with God instead of good morals, faith tended to stick a whole lot more than the other hand. Because if all your children think of is God's just trying to keep me in line, uh, I need to be a good little boy and girl, and then you get off and you're not a good little boy and girl sometime, you say, well, you know, this is too tough, I just give up, or, or I have a different set of morals now, instead of saying, I'm following a God that I know loves me, cares for me, that I have a relationship with, that changes everything about us. So the number one thing then is teaching our children that God wants an intimate, personal relationship with you. And then the closer you get to God, the more you understand God, the more you'll end up doing the other things. The more you'll say, okay, then I want to start living the way God wants because I love him and want to praise him. I do want to read my Bible. I do want to uh, do certain things because of this relationship that I have with God. That brings us to the second thing that we see. So first of all, it's a relationship with God, not about following the rules. The second thing is this. We need to be intentional in teaching our children godly values. We need to be intentional in teaching our children godly values. Now, here's the thing. There is an alternative to godly values. It's called the culture and the ways of the world. And the world will not be uh, reluctant to teach your children the world's values. And if you're not intentionally teaching your children godly values, they're going, to get it, they're going to find out other places, other things, and it's probably not what you want them to learn. And the truth of the matter is, when we look at it, following godly values isn't our default position. We're sinful human beings, and our default position is always going to be selfishness and self-interest. And that's why godly values have to be taught to our children in a direct way intentionally or we're not going to be able to be the kind of parents and have the kind of children that we want look at verse 6 these commands that I give you today are to be upon your heart goes back to what we just said okay these things need to be something inside of you not something that's an outward demonstration verse 7 impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home Talk about them when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. 
So he's saying, look, do it intentionally. Do it when you get up in the morning. Teach your children about God. Do it when they go to bed at night. Do it when you're in the minivan driving home from school. Take every opportunity you have to intentionally instill godly values and the things of God into your children because, again, it is not the default position. Selfishness will always be the default position. And so we have to intentionally put God before our children. Now, the things that he says here, you know, when he says, put them on the doorpost of your house, bind them on your forehead, put them on your arms. These are things that good Jews actually do even to this day. If you walk into a Jewish home, they'll have a mezuzah uh, right on the wall. Here's a picture of that right there. Uh, that contains the Shema, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, and soul. Every time they walk into the house, they're reminded to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. If you go through our garage and you come into the house, we have a mezuzah right there when you walk in. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's there to remind us right when you walk in the door. Then it says, bind them on your forehead, tie them around your arms. Uh, good Jews still do that to this very day. Uh, here, here's a picture of a man right here. On his forehead is a phylactery, and inside it says the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That, that tie, that uh, teflon around his arm, uh, that, that is to be a reminder that the Word of God is supposed to go into your very heart. Uh, Andrew, my son and I, we had a chance to visit Israel uh, this past January, me more than Andrew, because he stayed in the room with COVID most of the time. Uh, but the last day, uh, he and I went through Jerusalem. We went to the Western Wall, and you can actually go inside the Western Wall, under the wall, and see the foundation of it. And we went in there, and they, there was a big group of people worshiping. And when I walked in, a guy immediately walked up to me and started putting the teflon around my arm. And, you know, Andrew, I was like a deer in the headlights trying to figure out what was going on. Andrew's laughing, you know, and he's putting around. And he says, do you know what this is? And I said, uh, yeah, but I, I think it's okay if you don't put it on me or something, you know, like that and everything. And then he starts taking it back off. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, you can put it on me. And then he starts putting it back on. And I said, you know, all right, maybe we should just call, call a truce here, you know, or, or something like that. But that was, that's still important. They take that literally. So what they're trying to remember is you have to intentionally keep God before you all the time. And so that's the next thing we need to teach our children intentionally the things of God. The third thing we see is that you need to make God a priority in your family. Not just do it intentionally, but it needs to be a priority. Look down to verse 13. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths only in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God is a jealous God. His anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and the decrees that he has commanded you. And so we're told here again, this needs to be a priority. The default position will always be to go away from God, and you need to make God a priority. It's intentional. It's a priority. Do your children see you reading your Bible? Do they see you making big decisions with God? Is it a priority? When I, uh, we lived in Owensboro over 20 years ago, uh, I remember that uh, in the Little League Andrew played in there, uh, the first year that we were there, they decided to go to Sunday baseball, Little League games. And the game started at 10 in the morning. And so I just told the coach, I said, you know, there's no way we can do it. You know, I, you know I'm a pastor, Andrew's going to be at church, and, and we can't do it. Well, the second week, every Sunday game was canceled. And I said, why was every Sunday game canceled? And they said, because every game in Owensboro Little League was a forfeit because nobody showed up. 
And so they canceled all the games on, on Sunday morning that day. Uh, you don't see that happen much uh, 20 years later or something like that. But it was just parents saying, no, we're not going to do it. We're not, we're not, we're, you know, we're going to do that. There's a different priority. You need to make God a priority in your family. The fourth thing that we see is not only does God need to be a priority, you need to model your faith and be a good example. Your children are going to learn more from what they see you do than what they hear you say. You can tell your children all kinds of stuff. They're going to learn by what they see you do. Look down to verse uh, 18. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. He will thrust out all of your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. Be careful to do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, and then it's going to go well with you. Your children need to see that you are a good example, that you live out what you believe. Do your children see you reading the Bible? Do they see you praying? Do they see you making big decisions by going to God? Do they see you helping other people who are less fortunate to you than you are? Do they see you caring about others? Do they see you forgiving people when they don't deserve to be forgiven? Your children are going to learn by how they see you act and what they see you do. Again, in that sticky faith research that we've looked at, uh, one of the things they said was that if the parent just sends the children, only 6% of the children will stay in church after high school. The parents don't come with them. They send their kids to church every Sunday. 6% stay in high school. If in a two-parent family, only one parent brings them and one stays home, about 35% of children will, will go and stay in church. If both parents bring their children, 75% of children will stay in church their entire life. That those are overwhelming numbers. Now, if you're, if, if you're a single parent, uh, you know, it's a much different situation, and uh, the, st the stats are much more in your favor if you're bringing your children. But in a two-parent family, 75% their children will stay in church their whole life if both parents bring them. Why? Because it is an example that kids are seeing and they are learning from. And so your kids need to see that and learn from it. Your kids need to hear you say that you're wrong every once in a while. Uh, you know, Dawn and I uh, may not have been the greatest parents in the world, but we were never bashful to tell our kids when we messed up. And we messed up quite a bit because, uh, you know, parenting is an imperfect art if you haven't found that out yet. And so we would just get down sometimes and say, hey, I was wrong. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, you know, you were right and I was wrong, you know. And so uh, the kids need to hear that from you. They need to see your example more than anything else. And then finally, the fifth of the things is to take advantage of teachable moments. Take advantage of teachable moments. There will be times in your children's life when they're willing to listen to you and they're willing to hear things that have to do with God and the world in ways they never were before. Maybe they had a bad time at school and somebody hurt their feelings. Uh, maybe they had a fight with their best friend. Uh, maybe they got a bad grade in school or they got cut from a ball team or something like that or whatever. And there's going to be a teachable moment where they're able to listen to you where they normally wouldn't. Look down to verse 20. In the future, when your son asks you, what's the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees and the laws the Lord your God has commanded you, you will tell him we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the, mighty hand, uh, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders and great and terrible things on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. He brought us from there to bring us and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. There will come a day, it says, your children's going to ask you, 
What's going on with these things? Why are we doing these things? That's the teachable moment, and then you have to be ready with the answer. So look for those teachable moments. It may be in the minivan coming home from school one day. It may be, uh, you know, as, as you're sitting around the dinner table and the kid just suddenly, that, that ice facade melts away and they say something and you say, okay, this is one of those teachable moments. I need to jump in there. I remember Andrew, uh, when he was in his last uh, uh, time of, of playing uh, uh, Babe Ruth baseball, he'd gone from Little League into Babe Ruth, and uh, every year from the first year of Little League on up, he'd made the all-star team. And he made it the last year. And I remember he came home and he said, Dad, I made the all-star team, but I don't want to play. And I go, why don't you want to play? You play it every year. And he said, well, I don't want to play because I just want to enjoy my summer. And high school basketball will be starting up in, the, in, uh, in a few weeks, and I just want to concentrate on basketball. I don't want to play baseball. But I'm afraid if I don't play baseball, It'll disappoint you, and it'll disappoint Grandpa. What do you think? And so I just told him, I said, look, Andrew, if you don't play Little League, I don't get the shirt that says All-Star Dad. <laughs> and I said, you've got to have some priorities here, kid. You know, that's just that's the way that it is. You know, it was one of those teachable moments. And even though that's what I wanted to say, uh, what I actually said was, you know what? I could care less if you ever play any sport or anything else. It doesn't make me any prouder of you. I love you with all my heart, and I just want you to be happy. And if you don't want to play any more baseball this year, then don't play any more baseball. And your grandfather's going to feel the same way. We just love you. And that was one of those teachable moments to be able to say, you're loved unconditionally because of who you are, not because of what you do. And so these five principles that are given in this great chapter, and then the chapter ends with this. When you put God in charge of your family, you will be blessed. When you put God in charge of your family, you will be blessed. Look down verse uh, 24 and 25. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case to this day. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So if you do these things, it says you're going to prosper, your land's going to prosper, your family's going to prosper, and it will be your righteousness if you make God the ringmaster of your family, something we very seldom do. Now, if you go into Chick-fil-A and you say something to the person at Chick-fil-A like this, thank you, what will they say back? It's my pleasure. Everybody in this room knew that's what they were going to say. It's my pleasure. Do you know there is not a corporate policy at Chick-fil-A where you're supposed to say my pleasure? There's never been a rule that was brought down that said, if you don't say my pleasure, you get docked 25 cents. Nobody said that. What happened was, when Chick-fil-A first started, Truett Cathy, the founder, took a trip to Europe. And when he was in Europe, he stayed at a Ritz-Carlton in Europe. That's where I would have stayed, sure, if I had ever had enough money to go to Europe. But anyway, and he noticed something of this Ritz-Carlton. Every time he said thank you to someone, they would say, it's my pleasure. And he said he was just taken by that and go, that is so neat. And he got back to the States, and there was a meeting of all of the managers of Chick-fil-A, and he just went in and he said, 
hey, I saw this at this Rich Carlson. It was great. It was neat. I was really impressed. It's my pleasure. And he goes, I, I just want you all, you know, that's a, that was a neat thing. And then a handful of those managers went back and they said, hey, what if we start saying it's my pleasure? It wasn't a rule or anything. They just started saying it. It took over two years for the majority of Chick-fil-A restaurants to say it's my pleasure. But after two years, they were almost all saying it. And now you can't go to a Chick-fil-A where that's not the main thing that they say when you walk in and you do that. But nobody's hammering it at them. It's just become a part of the culture. It's become a part of who they are. And that's what God being the ringmaster of your family is like. It's not coming in and, and putting down some hard rules and keeping your kids in line. It's developing a culture of relationship with God and love and living out what you say you do and teaching your children intentionally. And pretty soon it just becomes a part of who they are. And this believing in God and loving God and following God and all of that is just a part of their life. And when they go to school, they don't drop out and never come back to church again because that's not who they are anymore. It's a part of the culture. It's not a command they were given. And it changes everything when God's the ringmaster. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for how much you love us. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to put you in charge, knowing that when we do, it makes all the difference in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.